how are we doing? How are you doing? Please tell me you're doing okay. Are you doing okay? Email us at dirtygirlpodcast at gmail.com to confirm that you are okay, because it be wild out there. Today we're sharing an interview with my friend Lauren Ludwig. This was recorded over a year ago when I was having this like mini crisis and confusion about gender and pronouns and am I allowed to have multiple sets of pronouns and are my feelings valid and is this okay and I called up Lauren and Lauren just made me feel validated. So excited to share this episode on gender today. Here is Lauren. Hi. Hi. I'm like nervous. Okay. I like it. Let's let's own both of our emotional states. Okay. How are you emotionally? I'm like a little frazzled and settling from the work day. Okay. But then I'm kind of thinking about what we're about to talk about and I'm like, um, I'm like maybe 10% nervous, but also like 80% delighted that, cause I like talking about this stuff. Okay. And the last 10% is a mystery for those who are doing the math of all the percentages. <laughs> that doesn't fit. Okay. That doesn't add up. Um, so I contacted you because I heard you on a podcast identifying as genderqueer mm-hmm. and I don't know if I knew that. Maybe I did. But I don't know that you did. I don't know that I did. Yeah, I'm not private about it, but I didn't have, like, a big coming out around it. Mm-hmm. I had, like, a slow burn crossfade, dissolve, dissolve into it being kind of thing. Okay. Different than a big declarative moment. But Can you tell me about the slow burn? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how did I come around to it? I, it started a couple years ago. I was in the middle of... I, I think it actually happened after the Trump election. Um, I was starting to look at ways to volunteer and different groups and causes that meant a lot to me. And I've identified as like bisexual since I was 22. Um, and my mom identifies as pansexual and is married to a woman. Um, and so I it was a natural thing for me to, after the election, be like, well, the LGBT Center of Los Angeles makes sense. And so I started to be in that space a little bit, and I was in spaces where people were asking for my gender pronouns, and I remember just one day realizing I just hadn't thought about it ever. I just had literally never stopped and been like, does she apply to me? And then one day I like thought about it, and I was like, oh, that's so weird. When I think about it, I feel, I also really feel like a they. And for me, they was about a multiplicity of genders. Like, I really was like, I feel masculine and feminine gender inside of me. And an androgynous kind of, like, timeless, formless thing as well. Like, I can feel different selves in myself. And that was what the they for me was about. That's what the the fluidity was about. So I started to be like, oh, that's kind of crazy. But then I was like, whoa, I'm not sure if I want everyone to start calling me they just yet. So I kind of just like live with that for a little bit and kind of only told my husband and then like kind of just like slowly started to say, try out like, well, what if when I am at the LGBT center, I do sort of say my pronouns are they or then for, and and I tried going kind of hard towards they in very safe spaces. And I ultimately felt like it, I ultimately feel like I've for a while now been in a space where they and she are equally accurate. Like, I kind of want people to be calling me both, actually. 
because I was raised as a woman and I do identify as a woman in a lot of ways. Um, but I also have never felt totally like a woman. So I want both of those things to be equally true. Um, and the they, they slash she as the pronoun set, I actually have a fair number of uh, artist friends who have, who find that they're in that same space, which I think is interesting as well. I feel like you just took the words out of my mouth. Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> but Wild. I, the only person I've talked to about it is my therapist mm -hmm. and I was talking about it for months and for me it was because I, so I talked about this and I did Write Club last week. Yeah. And it was, maybe I'll include that in this episode, I don't know. Um, how do I begin this story? <laughs> uh, I So when I shaved my head, I realized very quickly that I had to, I felt the need to be like extra feminine. Mm, so almost a counterbalance. Yeah. So suddenly I have to wear more makeup. Suddenly I couldn't wear the clothes I was wearing before because I looked boyish. Mm -hmm. And when I looked boyish, I was treated very differently. Interesting. And as someone who's always presented as, like, just classic feminine, it was shocking to me the way the world was treating me differently. Can I ask how they treated you? Ugh. So, it was within this past year, the first time someone asked me, are you a boy or a girl? Oh, wild. And I just sort of was like, oh, um, I'm a... <laughs> yeah. And, uh... And then I've had, you know, I've had, this is mostly all at my work, which is crazy that people would ask me this, like, while I'm working. Yes. And they'll be like, so, like, I had this, ugh, so many stories, so many stories. <laughs> I was serving this guy, and he was talking about pride, and I realized after a while he was just assumed I was gay. Yeah. And I didn't, like, correct it. Because um, you identify as straight. As mostly straight, I'd mostly say. Mostly straight, got it. Yeah. Um, I also listened to Martha Mer... I don't know if I should say her name. Martha's yeah. episode. Yeah. And she says, like... <laughs> the way she put it was, like, interested in the whole menu, but I usually go for pasta. It's <laughs> a perfect description. <laughs> and I was like, I feel that, too. Yeah. Like, I'm not opposed to anything. I'm yeah. just... We'll always go for pasta, usually. Um, That's great. I love that metaphor. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so, yeah, so this guy I was serving, and yeah. then as I, as I walked away, he was like, you know what, I'm really sorry if I assume something about you. Ooh, and I could said, he sense, do you think, that you felt? Maybe. And I go, oh, I, you know, I get it, I have short hair. And he goes, well, I'm just, I've lived here for 30 years, I'm just really good at knowing who's gay. <laughs> Wait, because he's lived in L.A. for 30 years? Ah... <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm. When I make it about you, dude, I was like, oh, please leave me a good tip. Bye. Yeah, he, I bet he probably did. Um, and then I've had, yeah, just I've had people in the street stop me and say, what the fuck are you? What? Yeah, I've had just Holy shit. Maybe it's just this area of town I live in. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it'll be better when I move to Echo Park. <laughs> Echo Park and be like, you're the 12th person with a shaved head I passed going to the coffee shop. I don't right. care. Um, I want to know what you mean. So, yeah. Gender is how um, the world knows how to treat you. 
and I was going out for a lot of like non-binary roles. Makes sense. And I sort of began asking like, well, how, what, what, what are you now that people are asking me? And that's put a lot of like panic in me. (laughs) Like for the first time, I don't know the answer and I don't know if it's just, I'm a woman, calm down. I just look different. (laughs) (laughs) Your gender identity is I'm a woman, calm down. I just look different. That's a pretty great one. All women kind of could be that one, right? <laughs> which is which really should be. I mean, that's such a part of this is how women are traditionally treated, and even when they're ultra femme. Yeah. yeah. But what's another? Is there been a part of you in your head that like? Is there, is, I guess my question is: Are there times when woman doesn't feel like it applies? I feel like the way you put it seems true to me too. Like, I feel like a lady. Mm, I like that. And for the first time, you know, I had a friend ask me for a bio the other yeah. day. I've never heard that phrase. I, did you make that or was that a thing? I heard someone say it on a podcast as a <sighs> joke and I was like, I know they were joking, but I was like, no, that's real. That's me. Avady. I love that. Right? Yeah. Avady. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. How empowering. I love that. Um, and I've tried to talk to my friends about it, and mm. I've told two of my friends about it. Yeah. And one was just sort of like, well, you're feminine, so you're not. And like, Oof. you, Oof. and you like pink, so you're not. Ooh. And I was like, oh, okay. And my other friend was like, I think a little more understanding, but also just sort of not giving me the space to really explore it. Ugh. And I had a friend ask me for a bio the other day, and it was the first time I played with yeah. taking out she and saying, you know, I don't think I said they. You just used your name the whole I just time. used my name the whole time. How did that feel? It felt awesome. Yeah, it's cool. There's like a stripping. I think part of the reason this is a long process, or, or we should allow ourselves for it to be an ongoing evolution, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, one is I think the socialization of gender in the modern American moment we were born, both born into is so strong that it takes a really long time to even dismantle it so that you can even hear the authentic voice inside yourself. It just takes a long time. And I told this, because my therapist, I think, is very, like, he doesn't know either. He doesn't know the answer. He's like, yeah. we're in it together. And That's very sweet. Yeah. And I told him about when I was in the fifth grade, I started becoming friends with like popular girls and they were like, what are you doing? Why are you wearing, why aren't you wearing makeup? Why are your shorts that long? Your shorts need to be shorter. Why, you know, you want boys to like you, right? Mm. And it was suddenly becoming this obsession with how do I get men to like me? Yep. And that's sort of been this like underlying fear in a part of me that's afraid to lean into this. Right. Is what I lose when I lose pretty. Right. That I totally know what you're talking about. So in a way, gender and sexual desire have become fused. Desirability. Gender and sexual desirability. They get fused, but in actuality, are for people who've also done all their personal work, those things are kind of separate in a way, or at least they are aware what a construct it is. Do you know what I mean? Like for people 
who have done none of the personal work that you're working to do or that I've worked to do that we're all both in process on it for the people who don't do any of that stuff and aren't really interrogating this like when they see somebody and quickly categorize the gender they also just take in the gender signifiers and are like my body is attracted to that I don't think they're questioning or thinking about it but for the people who are going to make like good partners who are doing a lot of this work they're they will be more I think aware of the way that that gender, again, is a thing that we're sort of told to be attracted to and have maybe done the work to actually investigate, well, am I actually drawn to ultra-femme women or am I drawn to something else? Like, not all straight men are interested in that one little sliver of the gender spectrum. And I speak about this from my own experience now. Like, being a little bit older, like, I have presented as... I've looked genderqueer or, you know, gay to people for a long time. I first cut my hair super short when I was like eight, maybe seven or eight. Um, and I really liked being mistaken as a boy as a kid. I liked that I kind of like, I was very into like the tomboy persona, um, which I think of now as like a queer female persona. And I, then as I got older, I come here again this short in high school. So like, I, I kind of like, I, I don't think I was consciously playing with Sometimes I would play with being ultra feminine within that, but then other times I really wouldn't. And then it stayed really short through college. And then, you know, it's just been on and off the short forever. And over the last few years, I've really gone like farther and farther towards a, a presentation that like looks very overtly queer or very overtly gender non-binary. And I find that yes, more women hit on me than used to. Um, but I do still find that like, Men who are aware and like awake to the realities of the world are all who who are also will flirt with me. Like it's not it kind of depends, but I think that it's like, yeah, I feel like there's sexual energy is there when it's there. Really, it's just like you kind of like lose the crutch of like your idea of what's pretty. But it's a real big thing to dismantle that, and the fear that goes with dismantling that is like. It's like big. I definitely know people who identify as gender nonconforming and trans and gender nonconforming and cis and gender nonconforming and, and something in between. And I do think the gender queer, gender nonconforming part of the spectrum, which is everything in the middle, really, and technically is actually everything. <laughs> it's like, right. <laughs> then like the, those things all have to be possible. Like it just scientifically almost, you're just, you know, mathematically, there just have to be people that have that whole range of experiences. So what I think is important is not to take away a label that a group is using to fight for very important actual like legislation and political change. Like that's, that is important of course, but like at the same time, in terms of your own understanding of yourself and in terms of how I hear and see those words being used, like I would encourage you to feel like you can embrace gender, queer, gender nonconforming, even if you ultimately decide, yeah, that's sometimes I'm in that space even if it's a thing of like the gender version of I mostly order pasta, there are the times when you don't and you actually already know that and have played in those spaces. You're not ordering pasta off the gender menu every day. So you're already doing it. So I just feel like <laughs> it's such a funny metaphor. But I think like you, yeah, I just already see those phrases as clearly, um, I don't know, uh, naming something that's part of your experience that you're describing. Mm-hmm. And now it's scary to own it, though. It's also a fear of 
I mean, I'm working through this in therapy and like my backbone has become stronger. Yeah. Um, since probably most significantly since I've met you, like through, you've mm. known me since college, that's right around when I started therapy. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, the, the fear of, I have such a fear of telling someone my pronouns are they. A fear mm, of, totally. I know people will ask why, will have judgment, will say, but you like pink, you know? I can't believe someone said that to you. There are so many people who won't say that, though. But you're right. Some people, of course, it, 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 it rubs up against their worldview. And it's just a fear of, like, conflict. And a fear it's, of standing up and saying and owning it. Knowing, like, even just as starting to play with how I'm expressing and yeah. seeing the very, like, on the very light spectrum, the violence that comes with that yep and that's yep yeah i think about like that's why safe spaces exist for for groups that you know have something in common i think like what you're doing now of like talking about it with me or like slowly finding other people who this is a reality and like maybe going to like um a group at the lgbt center or something like that where it is about like i'm exploring this i'm having questions about my gender and it's a whole room of people who've either done that or are doing it right then like and that is a safe space where like what i learned there was like oh my pronouns could change every day that that actually it's always my right to ask for the pronouns that work for me that day i if i'm changing every day i'm not going to hold it in somebody who isn't up to the speed in the on the day i'm on but like but if that doesn't bother me, then like, yeah, keep playing. You know what I mean? Like that that's, or just, it's not even play. It's just like whatever feels true that day. So like I found that to be very liberating and it took the pressure off. It wasn't a big decision. And that's why I didn't have a big coming out around it. And that's why I still pick the spaces where I feel most comfortable. You know, I recently came out to my boss at my job um, here in Los Angeles as gender non-binary, which was a big deal because she uh she's new she's a new dean of the school I work at and I run a program that supports female directors and but a lot of our participants are also gender non-binary and have been for a long time like it's just kind of it's not even a secret I mean we're open about it in the program but like you know the program is for women well what is a woman and that's an ever-evolving thing so I realized that like as I try to get the program to be more active about that I, I want to be more honest about my own gender non-binary status so that I can be an advocate for that part of the, that way of thinking about this program. So, but that's now three years into me exploring this, right? It's like, cause it started in 2016. So I feel like it's taken me till now to even feel like I could say that to somebody in our context or like that it would be worth the things you said, which are certainly risks. So, and I think I got to that by like trying it out in enough truly safe spaces, like arts groups and like um yeah support groups things like that like all that stuff is useful because it starts to help you build up a, a well of confidence and it's just a safe place to play with it so i really recommend that um and not feeling like you have to have a huge coming out necessarily i mean it feels good for some people i think but i i, I was kind of i felt somewhat how you felt i was like mm. and i did try going straight they for a little bit and i didn't love it because actually they and she really do both feel good. That's how I feel too. Yeah. I don't want to, I didn't want to lose she. And like he, 
very occasionally will feel accurate. Um, yeah, he will sometimes feel accurate too. Like that's, but it's mostly, yeah, there's she. And that's sort of what I've spent so many nights like mm -hmm. Googling. What are the rules? Yeah, there are no rules. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is it okay if I feel like a they, but I still feel like a she? Is yeah. That, is that allowed? It's really crazy to me how many um, uh, female slash gender non-binary artists I know who go by she and they. Mm. It's like, so at this artist retreat I run in Canada for... Um, for a range of artists, they basically all identify uh, somewhere on the gender spectrum between um, f like feminine and non-binary, non-conforming. Um, they are, um, it's a real range of, of folks and many of them are queer, but it's not an, not an exclusively queer space. But for that retreat, we did uh, gender pronoun pins this year. And there were like, out of the 12 of us, there were at least four that were wearing they slash she every day which is a big percentage I mean it's only 12 but like that was still striking to me to be in that space where I'm like this is a normal gender identity you know another big epiphany to me was when I <laughs> I was thinking I, I met somebody this this woman this queer woman who reads as ultra femme and she was like I'm not people mistake me as being ultra femme in like a pure way she's like but my gender identity is really drag queen she was like, I'm like female, like I was born into a, a body identified as female and I feel even like I want to put on more female than that and in a drag queen sense. And she's like, and I feel the most happy with other drag queens, um, many of whom are, you know, male bodied originally. Um, uh, and so I had, I, that was a real big epiphany to me and I was thinking about it and I was like, I think my gender identity is artist. Like when I am dressed as an artist and I can feel all of the, the whole gender spectrum is presented in my body and in my clothes and in my adornments, like everything on me, when I feel fully artist, that is when I feel the most myself. And when I'm in that space, all of the pronouns make sense um, because the artist's job is, is to be fluid and queer and is to look at things in a different way and is to embody a range of experiences it really represents my lived experience. Like they, as inclusiveness of everything, is my lived experience of gender and of the world and of how I make art. So when that kind of collapsed and I realized that was all one thing, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And it may, has made me own some of this stuff in a different way. <laughs> That's kind of a big idea saying my gender identity is artist, but. I truly was thinking <laughs> about like, I identify as a pickle. Great, I love it. Your gender identity is pickle. I mean, that's not crazy. And I, I went on Instagram and I posted something and I changed the caption to say, like, this pickle is doing... Oh my god, I love that so much. Because Taylor Mac uses yes. Judy as yeah. a pronoun. Exactly. I have a friend, this one woman, who says she genuinely feels like her gender pronouns, her preferred pronoun is boss. <laughs> she was like, I know, I, can't, I know it sounds like a joke and she's like, I'm aware of the humor of it, but it also is so true to my experience. I'm like, okay, great. So I feel like, I mean, like, I, why not? I just don't know why. There's no reason why this can't all be true. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there aren't rules. And it's like people like, like Taylor Mac, the gift of that kind of an artist is that he always makes you be like, yeah, there are no rules. And you're like, oh, right. There are no rules. These rules are fake. Society gave you these rules. So don't ask society for the rules for the new thing you're trying to build.
just build your build the androgynous super future that we're all trying to aim for and like be a part of it that way but like know that like people who are invested in the status quo will absolutely fight you mm-hmm. and like hopefully not in a physically dangerous way but like will absolutely push back for sure yeah i've never felt like physically afraid but i am just starting to peek past the privilege of cis privilege i guess definitely for um, sure privilege yeah when i start to dress differently totally and see the world treat me differently yeah and i and and i think i'm pretty tame yeah in yeah. a way i'm i feel like if i felt safer maybe i would but yeah. it doesn't feel safe for no well i haven't had those experiences you talked about the idea of somebody on the street shouting what are you is scary it does feel dangerous and then i've had people scream dyke at me i've Oof, had jesus um and it's just like confusing confusing and scary and yeah like those are the times where i'm like i miss my hair yeah the only times i really miss my hair is when i was like oh i wish i could just disappear it was a shield yeah this is a weird aside do you ever own do you own any wigs no interesting i've my agent told me i should and i was going to get one yeah when i shaved my head but casting directors don't want to see that they no. they love short hair person they love shaved head, I'm sure. Yeah. Because there's a whole range of roles that are now accessible to you mm-hmm. that they probably have trouble filling. That makes sense. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. And of course, it's like, I mean, it's like, I feel like I can't basically say, yeah, go get a wig so you can feel safe sometimes. But at the same time, maybe it is good to be able to feel, it's like okay to be able to have days where you want to feel anonymous or you want to dissolve into something. It's like... And those are the days where I dress like more feminine i'd say yeah so that people see it as this not to bother me yeah exactly people tend to bother me if i'm dressing more androgynous it's not crazy because i think other women have the thing of if i dress ultra femme i end up a target of a different kind of harassment i this is what i wrote in my right club piece like so i get to choose what kind of harassment i want the kind i'm comfortable with which is the high femme sort of yes which is the you know, hey, baby, you look hot. Right. That versus... What the, are you? <laughs> yeah. Jesus, that's crazy. And neither are safe, but one feels crazily safer because I'm used to it. That makes so much sense. Yeah, the trauma you're used to versus the trauma that you're not. Right. You grew up with, as a woman in society, the society, you grew up with that particular kind of trauma of being sexualized from a young age and feeling like the world treating you like you're their collective property. Right. As opposed to the world treating you like you don't have a place because you can't be categorized. This obsession with categorization is so crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I read a great article about society's obsession with all binaries um, and how things always end up being feminized and masculinized. And how this article was about the way the Democratic Party is feminized in the press and by Republicans. So that they can, and thus because it's feminized, it's easy to write it off or be like, it's the weaker party. It's the, right. And it's like the real question, the real question is the thing in the center. It's like, there isn't even space for that, of course, in politics really. Um, But I think that there's also not space for it with gender, though. I can't believe we're in a moment where we're all talking about it so much and it seems to be breaking down in some spaces in society. I mean, that is incredible. I didn't think in our lifetime, like growing up, when I grew up in the 90s, like when I was in high school in the late 90s, it's basically like the pronoun stuff, thought I, that wasn't even 
couldn't have been less on the radar. No one was openly out and gay in my school. Like, it was crazy. And, like, so, like, the it's, like, so much progress in 20 years, which is amazing. But it's still, I mean, obviously, there's still more to go. Because, we, obviously, we want a space where, like, you don't even have to think about it. Someone I know came out to their parents as pansexual recently. Um, specifically, they were, they were saying bye. And the mom, uh, the parents ultimately so supportive. But in the process of the coming out conversation, their mom started to have, like, questions about how it was possible. Like, she couldn't even wrap her head around how you could be bi, like how you could be attracted to both genders. It's very hard for her to understand and imagine. And I was telling my, I'm in a queer coven and I was telling, (laughs) so I'm coming out of as a witch on this podcast. Yes. Um, so one of the other members of my coven, he was talking, I was telling, texting the chain about that story because this, this woman who had just come out was, is like close to me and I was feeling for her and feeling bad. And even though it had all been okay in the end, and he was like, you know, when parents say that kind of stuff, he's like, we really have to have empathy because it's just society's traumas being processed through their individual uh, body. It's the collective trauma coming through the individual and the individual's a vessel for it and doesn't even know what they're saying a lot of the time. So when she says that thing thoughtlessly about pink, it she doesn't she doesn't even know what she's saying. And then the fact that she caught that and a couple of minutes later was like, what am I even talking about? Like this is all fine. I feel like you'll get that again and again. And actually like one of the unfair, but true realities of being somebody who does come out to people, if that's what your lot in life ends up being, is that you do end up creating tiny spaces where those societal traumas are processed through other people. And you don't have to participate in it. And like, you don't have to take care of them in it. And you can say, do your own processing. Call me when you're okay with it. Like, you don't have to sit there through it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, but you do need to acknowledge that the way the human mind, body, soul works and the way society works, that time between I told you and now you fully get it absolutely is time a lot of the time. And it's a relief when it's no time. Like, that's great. But then, like, there are the times where it's, like, months or years. And it's, like... Well, even, like... Yeah, like... And part of, I think, maybe my friend who was just didn't... Was not believing me or understanding me right away... Yes. Is because why is this coming out now? Like, yes, it's just so random though when you wake up. Well, yes, and it's like, I didn't have the language before. Yeah, exactly. This is all giving us the language to name things that felt unnameable. Or here's another nice thing. We're at a moment where like, I didn't, here's a here's a bigger example. I didn't realize I was bi until I was 22 because I am attracted to guys enough that I could, I passed to myself as straight. I really, really felt mostly straight. And I really didn't, it wasn't until my feelings for a a particular woman were so strong that it kind of woke me up to it. And then after I dated her, I could feel more subtle gradations of attraction to women below that. Oh, this is like a minor crush on a girl that back before I realized I was bi, I wouldn't have even noticed was a crush. I would have called it a friendship. So it was subtler gradations. It's the same thing with gender now. I feel like for some folks, it's like if you... um, if you're born into your body and you're like, oh, shit, I am a trans woman in actuality, like, I am a woman, and then I think that's such a huge feeling from my friends who are trans who've described it, that it's, that it's, you, you can't ignore it. And because some of those spaces have been opened up now, people who have subtler gender queerness, who might have passed as cis to themselves forever, are now, there is actually space to feel those more subtle gradations. And I think that's a big change, actually. 
Because, like, the the amount of genderqueer I am, I might have gone my whole life just seeming like a quote-unquote tomboy to myself or something. But now there's more... I just think there's there's room for more subtlety within this. Um, not for the general public maybe to understand yet, but for those of us who are in the spaces or conversations more often, like... So that might also be the truth of it for you, is, like, wherever you are on the spectrum, it, it might change a lot or it might be less extreme some days, more extreme other days. But on the less extreme days, it might have been stuff you never even noticed before. Mm-hmm. But now that you've noticed, you can't unnotice it. Now that I notice, yeah. it's truly all that takes up my mind space. That's so interesting. And I think less now that I've done more, like, realizing there's no rules. Yeah, totally. <laughs> because before it's like, well, this isn't true. This can't be true because the rules say... The rules, yeah. And, yeah, and it just takes off a load off my shoulders. Like, oh, you get to exist exactly as you are. Yes. And I truly do have been feeling, like, really nervous because it's more socialized now for people to ask for pronoun preferences. Yeah, it is. And I always get nervous when people ask me, how do you identify? Yeah. And part of me is, because part of me is like, I don't want to necessarily even say straight because that doesn't feel... Yeah, it sounds not quite accurate. Not quite accurate. And like, can you even be straight if your gender is... You know, like, if it's all fluid, then why does it fucking matter? This is why I'm obsessed with the word queer and why my queer coven's obsessed with the word queer and we use it now for everything of, like, queering everything. It's always the sort of, like, middle path or the paths in the middle or the gradations. Like, that word certainly has very specific sexual and political ramifications to it now, but it's really interesting to apply it to different aspects of society. Like, what does it mean to... Yeah, what does it mean to queer different established institutions? Um, There's a lot of, like reading and writing about this in academia and other stuff like it's it's a real thing and I think it's a real movement that's been around for a long time and I and I think like we do participate in it even by saying I refuse to pick a side or I don't want to say a gender pronoun today like that's all welcome like I think uh we had a wonderful we actually had pretty decent uh training on some of this stuff at my work it was, like, thankfully not one of those depressing, like, HR training sessions where it's really bad. It was actually a really good one. Okay. Uh, and it, one of the things that person who trained us talked about, and and this is something that I feel like I was, like, I went into this training. I was, like, I'm genderqueer, and I'm going to know a lot of this stuff already or all of it. But they, I definitely learned some new stuff. And one was, like, if you're leading a space, don't necessarily demand pronouns. Instead say... Hey, everybody. Um, welcome to whatever, blah, blah, blah. My name is Lauren. My pronouns are they or she. And then when people go around, they can say their pronouns if they want to. And if they don't want to, they don't. Now, if they don't, they might get, uh, you could, you might have to set the stage by saying, and if somebody doesn't want to share their pronouns, that's fine. We'll default to they for anybody who doesn't say otherwise. You know, you kind of like, or we'll just try not to use the pronouns at all. You can always just use people's names. You don't have to use pronouns. So you can sort of, uh, what is the most inclusive space? A space where people don't get outed by the pronoun reporting like it shouldn't feel like okay we went around and now we showed how progressive we are by making everybody say their pronoun like you don't have to do that if that doesn't feel safe either it just has to be safe to share it and it has to be safe to not want to share it that day and everybody respects it either way you know yeah but that's like you know that's evolving i was taught that you know it's like and i felt like i was somebody who would have thought of that kind of stuff, and I didn't. So, like, all of us need to continually investigate, I guess, and think, like, what would actually make this even safer? Mm -hmm. Could we make this even better for somebody who's in flux or feeling vulnerable today? And I think that's why I, one of the reasons why I was, like, drawn to talking to you. Yeah. Um, Number one, because I feel like 
maybe it's just because we worked together for a couple years and yeah. you're so Meisner. I feel like <laughs> you like fucking see right through me. <laughs> oh, this is the director-actor relationship. <laughs> I feel like all actors are direct probably imagine that that's true. Like truly could hide nothing, number one, because you fucking see it. That's really funny. <laughs> and um, knowing I wanted to talk to somebody who who I could be honest about it with yeah. and like not be told, well, that's not right. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's all right. And it's all real. Jen, like Jenner is a combination of our lived, our, our internal truth and, uh, how society, the tool society gives us to present on the outside. Right. If we think about it that way, it's like, what is your true thing? Okay. And then how do you want to most uh, how can you represent that visually? You don't have to. You can do nothing. But that will still default to something, to the world, because people are going to take in what they see. So there is an interesting thing of, like, it's always definitely partially a construct of how has, how has this moment in society that you're in decided to label a woman in a T-shirt? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just the truth of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think that... but So that's one thing you can't control. But you can control is are you making time and space to feel your authentic thing and then are you gently finding safe allies and loved ones to share that thing with and then every day when you get up do you feel you know do you want to express from the authentic place or do you need to be you want to be authentic but maybe you need to be a little safer today to feel good and comfortable like that's all still okay you know it's like I just think I just think it's all still okay. It's not like bad if there's a day where you don't want to talk about it and you want to dress and address. Like that's also okay. I after my right club piece, which um, I'll just have to record it and put in this fucking episode. Yeah, is uh, I talk about how customers don't know how to respond to when they see a baby or a gen- or a gentle them. A gentle them. Oh, gosh, oh, I'm sad I didn't think of either of those phrases. I heard it and I was like. These are real. Vady or gentle them. I don't care who made that. Like, I don't know who made that up, but it's real now. I, I can it. tell you I heard it on a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Oh, I love that. Um, and I said that and I talked about, you know, all of it while I was, you know, presenting pretty androgynously. And I was like the next day I was so insecure. Mm, right. And I was like, I have to prove to my boyfriend that I'm pretty and I have to go over now and I have to be in a skirt and I have to be pretty or else he's. Because he saw me in this really vulnerable, right. probably didn't know how vulnerable it was for me to stand up there and totally. say that. Um, but yeah, the, the, the impulse to be like, just kidding, it's okay, I'm pretty, like, do you still like me? Yeah. And that, how deep-rooted that socialization is. It really is. Well, and it's also, it just really is still related to, like, it all intersects with their own personal backstories, right? So there is just, like, the truth of, like, whatever your upbringing was around some of this stuff, and, like wherever your sense of self-worth does come from right now. I feel like I've, I have a lot of friends who identify as queer now who've gone through that phase where they're like, oh, am I allowed to do this? I didn't suffer. I didn't come out to a bunch of, to my family and then get kicked out of my house or I didn't like, I haven't marched around this. I haven't, whatever the thing is. Right. And I just feel like, look, the truth of your inner life is the truth of your inner life. I mean, and this word ultimately describes that. It sounds like, you know, whatever word we're talking about. And I feel like, of course you should say the truth of it if that's the truth of it. Um, I feel like if it's a put on so that you can be part of a new group, of course, sure, there could be a falseness to that. But that's so obviously not the case for you or for anybody I know who's had this concern. And I think it's really 
lovely to be so respectful of a community and its history that you're like, does this feel okay to me to say I'm a part of it? But what you're really saying is, this is who I am. And then a secondary question will be, how deep into a, the community do I then get? Or where does this take me? But the truth is the truth. I mean, if this is your truth internally, it just is. You know, like there isn't anything to really debate. And there are words for it, and they are these words. So, like, yeah, I mean, I really like that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's important that the words have meaning because we are still fighting for, like, systemic support for groups that are still have, like, higher than average suicide rates and higher than average um, discrimination in a lot of ways. Like, that's all real. But, like, you saying you're queer doesn't, like, hurt anybody in the community. You know what I'm saying? What hurts people in the community are, like, the North Carolina legislation. Legislature, like, saying that, like, the that saying that Charlotte's, like, anti-LGBTQ discrimination law is not valid. Like, that hurts. You saying, I'm genderqueer doesn't hurt anybody. In fact, get it. Yes, get in over here. March with us. Come on, let's go. So, just, like, remembering that, right? Like, yeah, you're not the enemy. <laughs> it's great. You're welcome here. As I speak for all queer people. <laughs> I'm the president yeah. of the coven. Yeah, exa exactly. <laughs> yeah, the Transylvanian coven. The coven. Uh, yeah. I told you I shopped in the men's section the other day, and that yeah. was, like, interesting. And I was weirdly nervous. Totally. Um, and everything was fucking cheaper. That is unconscionable. I'm so pissed about that. I had no idea. So now I'm fucking going over there all yeah, the time. I feel very tricked by that reality. Did not know. Uh, <laughs> and also feeling like I should be allowed to explore it. And then even Change if I... Mind. Yeah, even if Absolutely. I decide. Of course you can. Actually, I am a she. Like, yeah, yeah. That's also fine. I have a friend. I mean, this is how fluid it is. I have a friend who um, identifies as a woman. She's, she's queer. She's married to another woman. She identifies as a lesbian. But she also has enough gender uh, queerness uh, inside her that she is, for a while, felt uncomfortable with certain aspects of her femininity and has decided to get top surgery. Um, and still feels the pronouns she best describe her. So that, what, what are we, again, to me that's what we're fighting for. I know some people can be restricted, but for me, we're fighting for that. Where somebody's pronoun can be she, and they get top surgery because they feel like that's comfortable and good for them. And then, like, just kind of own whatever parts of the gender spectrum they feel like owning when it feels right to them. And then, like, can use whatever language reflects that on, on any given day. Like, that's the dream to me. So when you share this podcast, is this effectively you copy out everybody? <laughs> Or, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> or will you end up shelving it and no one will ever listen to it? That would also be okay. I want you to do whatever feels comfortable to you. One of my, my producers are all men. And one of them was like, because we had, you know, fucked up about which mic we were going to use. And he was right, like, right, oh, right. I can come and help. And I was like, I don't want you to be there. <laughs> I don't want you to. You can listen when everybody else listens. <laughs> this is in two months. And he's like, okay. And <laughs> it sounds very supportive as a producer. I just want to state... Um, that it feels really good to kind of like, maybe I feel like we should end with like a little bit of a ritual of saying my gender identity is blank in like a declarative way. Because <laughs> I know I kind of said it a few times, but it feels really good every time I say my gender identity is artist. My gender identity is I'm a Vady. Yes. So good. And I'm a pickle. Oh, I love it. <laughs>
Thanks again to Lauren Ludwig for coming on the podcast today to soothe my anxious mind and validate all my feelings. If you want to listen to Lauren's coming out podcast episode or my Right Club piece on gender, you can find both links in our show notes. Dirty Girl is produced by me, Heather Ann Gottlieb, along with Cameron Taggy, Tristan Bankston, and Alex Salem. We are distributed by the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network. Our logo was designed by Kevin Laughlin. Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Nicole. And we're the hosts of the comedy podcast, Dude, That's Fucked Up. Join us every Wednesday for an irreverent discussion on topics such as light cannibalism, a la the Donner Party, JFK's meth dependency, cryptid fanfic, and even pubes. It's available now on the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Go to dtfupodcast.com for more information. You know what's not fucked up? This podcast, you butthole. Yee. This has been a hoo-ha-ha podcast.